Hello, everybody. This is episode number 11. The 1 1. The lucky number 11. I don't even know if that's a real lucky number or not. But today, we have my grandparents, my beautiful grandparents. And let's get to it. This is. Another episode of My Subjective Perspective with Jordan Fisher. And why'd he make you so special? Why did he bless you? Think about it. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning. Got a smile when I say that shit. I woke up this morning. Go. And we are on with my grandparents. My grandma did not want to be on camera, which is why this is an audio file. She said she doesn't look good enough or something like that. I look too good. I don't want to... look too good. Yeah, I look too good. But you smell terrible. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, well, I guess we didn't even have any topics. But something I would like to talk about with you guys, because I think this is one of the coolest stories. Like, whenever I heard it for the first time, second, third, all, all the times I've heard this story, I just think it's really cool and it really defines you two as, like who you are and that's the story about adopting Kurt. I don't know if you want to talk about that or not. It's not that I mind talking about it. I just think it's kind of Kurt's story. Right. And I don't know that he would want us telling it to the world. Right, right. You know. Um, yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. I mean, your mom just asked me about um, Mason, she said he was curious, and Kurt didn't want to talk about it. So I guess oh, if really? he doesn't want to talk about it, we probably shouldn't talk about it. He's just our um, our son, and we love him just like we do the other three children. And we're very. And he's happy. the coolest guy. He's he the coolest. Very cool. He's very smart. He's very sensitive. He's he's a wonderful person, and I'm so proud of him. Yeah, I like him a lot. I can't say I'm proud of him, but I mean, <laughs> he was like 30 when I was born. But I mean, yeah. he's he's awesome. He's yeah. he's an awesome uncle. He's a great uncle. He's a great father. He's a great son. And um, so, what else do you want to talk about? Hmm. Well, I, I, one of my favorite stories that you guys have told me is uh, the. What, didn't you own like apartment complexes or something, and then they burnt one burnt down? Yeah, and we celebrated. You guys, yeah, because it was like it was like a total nuisance for you, right? It was a nuisance. Did you learn? Did you lose a lot of money? No, we didn't lose any money, but we we lost a lot of time and we lost a lot of um, respect for humanity. <laughs> uh, it was a learning lesson for us because we. Always, we had rented when we first got married, and we always took care of everybody's property and respected the fact Absolutely. that that was theirs, and you know, and we took care of it. And so, when we bought these apartments, um, you kind of think people are going to go in with the same mentality that you did. Almost. Well, we looked at it as we were helping people that did not have as much as we had, and we wanted to provide a really good place for them to live. You know, a good, clean place, a good where everything was in working order and. I my standard was that if I wouldn't live there, I wouldn't ask somebody else to live there. Uh -huh. And it was a situation that they totally took advantage of us. And uh, uh, a few 
a few of them were really good tenants, but and I was afraid Grandpa was going to get killed because he, they wouldn't pay their rent on time, and you know how he is. Wait, would you go over there, Grandpa, and just knock on the door? Every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how he is when somebody owes him money. Right, right. You know he would. He would. <laughs> As I've seen in the recent, yeah. Yeah, he would. Uh, he always paid his bills, and it was a big deal to him that, right. that if you owed somebody something, you paid it. Well, it's a big deal to me as well. I mean, that's that you just—I don't know—you have to be noble with money, you have to be honest. Yeah. So that's completely understandable that and you are so that way. Not all of these people like to be reminded that they owed him money. So uh-huh. uh, one time he went over there, and this guy opened the drawer and showed him this gun. Oh my god! And goodness. I'm like. I'm done with these things, and we would go. Were you over, over there with him? No, I wasn't. Cause Wait, I, how did he show it to you? How did he like present just the gun? Like open the drawers, open the drawer, Opus. He just opened the drawer. Didn't didn't touch it or anything. It was pretty he, like, much. It was a threat. It was kind right, of right, like yeah. a nonchalant threat. So yeah, like you couldn't. Uh huh. And he had a he had a sign on his door too that. How know. old were you guys when this was? Oh my goodness! The boys were in high school. Oh really, really? Yeah, I, I because we earlier. made no. They were in high school because we would make them go over and mow the lawn and do things. So right. we, we actually owned it with my sister and her. Did husband. you compensate them at all? Yes, we paid them. Okay. We shouldn't have, but we did. We fed them. No idea. Like twenty dollars a minute or something. We paid uh, them well. Yeah. Paid them well. That, I mean, that's and they true. mowed the lawn. Anyway, right. So we take all my taxes. and say, here, work one hour, and I give you a hundred dollars. Uh huh. I get to give to them anyway because it's it's in high school or college or wherever. I think they were in high school, but they were in college. Uh, and then we had, but we had people like. We would go in, you know, people would totally not take care of the place. I think we had like seven apartments. And, um, were they connected? Uh, some of them were and some of them weren't. Okay. One of them was a house that had like three in it and the other one had like right. four. And then there was a trailer pad that we rented behind it. And so um, we would go in and we would clean the place thoroughly after somebody lived there. And the stoves would just be gross. Mm-hmm. And then we would, uh, whatever needed to be done, you know, if we needed new flooring, we'd put new flooring in. It was thoroughly cleaned. Right. And um, then we would re-rent it. And it was very disillusioning when we put brand new carpeting in this place. You'd think people would appreciate having a nice place to live. And they were uh-huh. they were not really expensive apartments, but they were nice. I'm sure they appreciated it to some degree, but you're probably right. Like, not nearly as much as some, they're, yeah. They're, maybe not, maybe not. I don't want to say low, low life, but they were just, I guess in the... They had a different standard. There's, a, there's something I'm trying to remember what it is. It's like a... Trapping order? What is it? it They had a different standard of living than what we would demand for ourselves, and I would try to get the, we would try to get the apartments so that they were up to our standards. Well, I put new new, uh, carpeting in one of them, so within a week, I went over there to get get his rent again, and he had taken the engine out of his car, and there it was on a brand new carpet. No, really? Just all the oil and everything? Yes. He didn't put anything on it? On the, on the, really? He could have put a rug or he put something on it. That's absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. That's what, that's what I call a low life. Yeah. 
<laughs> I would agree. I mean, it was a total disrespect. You know, well, it was cheap real estate, right? It was not expensive real estate, but like I said, if I wouldn't live in it, I wouldn't ask them to live in it uh -huh. and charge them rent, and the rent was very low. I like low. that philosophy. I like that philosophy yeah. a lot. Yeah, you treat other people the way you want to be treated. Uh-huh. And uh, he disassembled that engine in the floor, totally ruined the carpet. We had to replace it after he got kicked out. Oh. And uh, we, you know, and then, then we had this couple that, uh, that lived there. And they decided they were going to move somewhere else, which was great. A bigger place. I think they had kids or something. Uh-huh. And they moved out. And the place that they moved to did not have a very nice stove, a kitchen stove in it. And ours had a very nice one. So they, they came the over and disconnected our stove and took it to their new place and put the old one in our apartment. No way. Yeah. And your grandpa... These are losers. These are <laughs> and you know your grandpa, he's not going to put up with that. Uh, so he and uh, his brother-in-law, they took the truck and they went over to the place where they moved and they said, we are here to get our stove. That's savage. <laughs> that's justice, really? Okay, we don't want to hear all you told us. <laughs> so they got the stove that's and they brought it back and then, then we had the gun incident where the guy didn't, he had this sign, you know, that I think he was a fugitive from the law, probably. Yeah, sounds like he Yeah. So then we had this lady She's that... clearly not scared of violence. Right. Else. And we were very generous with them. If they didn't have money to pay rent, if it was groceries or rent, you know, we would let it go until they could afford to pay. And these weren't expensive apartments, so mm -hmm. um, they well, couldn't have... $600 when they, when they burned down. Yeah. I never did see that. So then we had, um, well, that lady that... There was a lady that lived there, and she was very severely diabetic, and she didn't take care of herself, and she was losing her hair. And we felt really sorry for her, and she had a little boy, and she worked really hard, you know, and tried to do the best that she could. But she was, she was half sick, and she was working nights, and then she would sleep, and... Uh, so she was sleeping and her little boy was playing and he got a roll of toilet paper and was playing with matches. I like where this is going. <laughs> no, you don't. Wait, this is how it burned down? Yeah. No way. And so wow. he got the toilet paper and he set it on fire and then it scared him. He wasn't very old. He was probably six or seven. No, he was older than three, but he was, I think he's about six maybe. And he got scared because the toilet paper was on fire, and he knew he was in trouble. <laughs> so he threw it behind the dresser. Oh, called the dresser on and fire? The, no, the dresser had, it was like next to the wall, and it had a mirror that was really tall, and it went almost all the way to the ceiling. These are like eight-foot ceilings. So that toilet paper caught the drywall on fire, and the back, the cardboard on the back of the dresser, and it went straight up to the attic, caught the attic on fire and uh, so it was like burning in all over so it was burning yeah. yeah and and so somebody called the fire department and um, they came over and it was total I mean it was fire was everywhere and the people had to move out and uh, everybody in that area had to move out and the Red Cross came and helped them you know 
wow. gave money and all that stuff to get a place, a temporary place to stay. So we was had it a, stressful at first because you said it was exciting whenever it first happened. Or? It wasn't exciting to me. I didn't. We, I didn't know it. The ma- we had a uh-huh. maintenance man that we were allowing to live on the property, and he kind of looked after things and fixed people's problems. You know, if they came up. Right. And so he called and said that there had been a fire and that the fire department had come and put it out. And we go okay. So we went to bed for the night. Later in the evening. Because everybody was safe, and that was what we were concerned about. And right. everybody was taken care of. So later in the evening, he called, and he said that fire started up again. And by this time, I was so fed up with those apartments. It was like, whatever. And, yeah, and Just I know. let it be. <laughs> and I knew that all the people that were in there were out safe, and I knew that they probably got better stuff from the Red Cross than what they had. Right. And um, so I'm like, he said, this fire started up again. And I said, okay, we'll be right over. We'll call the fire department when we get there. <laughs> so the place was totaled. Oh, you didn't even go over? Yeah, we went over. Oh, did yeah, you call the it, fire? Was, it was. Yeah, we called the fire uh-huh. department. It was totaled. Oh, okay. I thought you were implying that you're just, you're no, just let it burn. <laughs> no, but it, he said it was pretty well gone. And I said, well, we'll be over. You know, That's we crazy. went over. So then. That they were they were nothing but a nightmare, and so then um, you know they burned to the ground. We had insurance on them, so we collected the insurance on it, and which and then we had to pay for the cleanup and the insurance company. We had a clause in there. I knew the insurance policy, and we had a. Your dad didn't sell it to us, by the way. We had a um, clause in the insurance department, insurance policy that said that uh, the insurance company had to give, if we had a fire, they had to give us so much money for the debris cleanup and everything. Right. Well, they said they weren't going to do that. So it was a big hassle trying to get them to pay, mm. but they paid. You know, they paid and we got it all cleaned up and everything and all the debris removed and then... After that, we did not rebuild those apartments. I was sick to death of them. I never wanted to see another rent. And this is your introduction to real estate, or had you already done? I was already in. I was already involved in real estate, but this was my, this was our introduction to renting apartments. Right. And our whole goal in that was to rent apartments at a reasonable rate that were in good condition for people that we were thought we were doing a good thing. Right, and it sounds like your head was in the right spot. Yeah, our head was in the right spot, but man, it was a hassle. I'm done with this. You know, I'm like done with this. So then we sold, um, we sold the property to a church that was in the neighborhood and, uh, that we gave that to Krisha. She bought a choir for it for college. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, we made no that's profit so, on that. Yeah, that's so noble, like <laughs> everything. Wait, let's let's talk about uh your your time you spent over in Italy. Like, I mean, you guys kind of choose wherever you want to start on that. Well, I I don't know. There's what so you, much to talk about. I don't know what you want to know. We, um, uh, your grandpa was in the Air Force, and he got sent to Italy, Brindisi, Italy, to the air base there. And Brindisi? Brindisi. Brindisi? Brind, B R I N. Okay. 
Brindisi, Italy. We called it Brindisi. It was Brindisi. Okay, well, whatever. But anyway, he uh, town in southern Italy. Okay. He got stationed there, and he was an airman, and we were so poor. We had no money, so um, probably had to go back to the time that he was. We were married, and he enrolled, enlisted in the Air Force, and he got sent to San Antonio, Texas, for basic training. That's what you were just talking about before we started recording. That was, was about uh, 100 degrees. And that was eight, eight weeks? April. April 3rd is when I went in. That's one of my good friend's birthdays. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and April 3rd. Uh huh. Beginning of April, right after March, it would be 100 degrees. And um, when it got over 95, I guess, they let us stay inside. But if it's 95, we're out in the outside all day long. And Right. Doing all those push-ups and all the kind of crap that you, they make you do. While they're screaming that at you. That was Air Force. That was easy compared to Army and Marines. I believe it, especially the Marines. Marines. My brother and the Marines, they're, they're crazy. They keep you three months. How long is Navy SEAL training? Oh. Two years, I think. That's that, two years? That's You have to be really tough to do that. I really admire those guys. Yeah. There's a guy I really like. Uh, his name's David Goggins, and he's mm-hmm. he's insane. He's just he's like an Iron Man. He's considered like the world's toughest man or whatever. He was a Navy SEAL. He's ran in like... Uh, he, well, he's ran in marathons, but he's ran in a race that was 125 miles long. Like, he's just... He's done like everything. And, uh, yeah, anyway... So anyway, he was in Texas, and he he uh, he got out of there, and they sent him to Biloxi, Mississippi. And we were married, so at that point, I could go. I couldn't go with him when he was in basic training. Uh-huh. So I went to Biloxi. We went to Biloxi, Mississippi, and um, Biloxi, Mississippi, I think, is one of the sand capitals of the world. And they it it when we were there there were thunderstorms every day at the afternoon. You could almost it was almost like like sand sand yeah. It was almost like clockwork that these well, thunderstorms would come in the afternoon. The, was that was that the uh, was that a river we walked to and, and no it was the Gulf of Mexico overseas. No we're we're in Brindisi. I mean we're in Biloxi. We're in Biloxi. And was walking distance from our little tiny apartment, about third, yeah. third side of room. Off All right, it was about third side. It wasn't. It wasn't even that big. It was like almost a. It was almost like a one-room apartment. We had the kitchen and the couch, and then uh, we had this little room that the bed barely fit in. I think we had to crawl in bed at the end because <laughs> it was so little. It took up. I think it took up the whole room except maybe half this much. This would be against the wall. The bed would be against the wall. It wasn't any king size when the crap like came along later on. So the room was literally, well, the bed was bigger than this. It's probably 10 feet wide, 8 feet wide, I don't know. But it was about the same size as the room. And he had maybe this much room, you know. He could okay. Go to bed, you just crawl on the bed and crawl up and get in the bed. So what did you guys do after that? Well, that was, that sand blew every after. I mean, the sand would blow, and literally... Oh, that's it, what you mean by sand, Kevin? Yeah, it would blow in the house. It was like the desert, almost? No, it was just beaches from the Gulf of Mexico, the sand. Okay, okay. You know, and there were storms every afternoon, and then he um, he had his training there, and I, it, we lived right off base, 
and we would walk to the commissary to buy groceries and then um, sometimes we could afford a taxi to come home but it cost 10 cents to go to the movie and we didn't have that 10 cents no, well, that's outrageous yeah no huh those outlandish but prices. we could walk to the beach and we had um, I, I worked at, when I first got there I had to get a job because we did not have enough money to live on and it was hard to get a job because we were only going to be there for six months uh -huh. and six uh, months you weren't there six months. You're talking about Brent, Brent, you're talking about the, in Mississippi? Yeah, how long were we there then? Well, I left in November, but we, we, we got a month off, so I probably left down there in October. And we, and we got there, I went in April 3rd, so I, I got out of the Toward the end of May, so it was May, and then June, July, August, September, October. Yeah, but anyway, so what did you what? guys do after that? So anyway, I, didn't, I wasn't in school for I was in school for eight weeks. Well, I don't know how long you were in school, but it was long enough that I was there. We had no transportation. You rode a bicycle back and forth to the base. I had to get a job. Oh, wow. It was not a permanent situation, so I couldn't hardly hire. You know, I couldn't find anybody that would hire me, so right, right. I got a job in this little cafe, and... Uh, this is the place it, you got fired at? Yeah, this is the place, <laughs> the place I got fired. They, um, it was just literally a little aisle between the counter stools, and they had a few little booths along the wall, and there was only room to walk sideways between them. Oh, I don't wow. even know how they got a license for that place. Yeah, that would not fly today. Yeah, so... The first thing I did, I'd never waited tables in my life, so the first thing I did is I spilled a pitcher of ice water down this guy's back, oh, trying man. to maneuver through there. That's kind of understandable. I've, 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 yeah, well, he wasn't too happy. So I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. And then I go back, and the the um, the, the guy that was in charge there, the manager, he said, okay, go take some water so I went and took an order and this guy ordered beer well I'm 18 years old I alcohol was not allowed in my house I had no clue how to serve beer right. so I gave him a nice big glass of ice and poured the beer over it and um, that was two things in one day so the was that like your first day or just oh that was my first day and the manager said I don't think you're cut out for this job <laughs> That's funny. I mean, and I'm like, like, I totally agree. I am not cut out for this job. I don't like it. Maybe I'll just starve. <laughs> so I left and we went down the, I was walking home and there was a help wanted sign on this dry cleaners. And uh, so I went in there and applied and he, he did military uniforms. That was his business. Mm -hmm. And so he hired me, and he was he was the neatest guy. He was an ex-Navy guy, oh, wow. and one of his eyes was, I think he was blind in one eye or something. And uh, But he hired me, and he was our salvation because he loved to fish, and he went fishing almost all the time, and he would bring fresh fish back for us, all cleaned and everything, just ready to cook. And... I worked for him, and that was really hard work because Mississippi, no air conditioning in this building, mm -hmm. and we're washing. He, they're washing and pressing the uniforms. My job was to take them from the 
the presser and and a whole stack of them and hang them back in the room and find out who they belong to. I'm sure I probably got that messed up too. Did you enjoy that more than the serving job? No, I did not like that job at all. <laughs> but we needed it to eat. Right, right. Yeah. Hey, what, Grandpa, what were you doing at this time? Were you uh, doing the testing and all that? 76 out there and 82 in here. Eighty-two degrees. Seventy-six. Oh wow! Right. If I had yeah, let it in. It feels good. Ever since you opened the window, it feels good. Mosquitoes will come in and just yes. be everywhere in dark. Right. Okay. We stayed. I remember that one night. There was that on the right on the door on the glass door. There were just literally the entire thing. There was not a square oh, inch were, where there was not a mosquito on there. You were that was not one. There was not a square inch. Did you turn that off? No, it's not paused. I mean, we can just keep talking. That's not a big deal. But, um, so what were you doing while she's working these jobs? Me? Yeah. I was in the Air Force. No, I mean, like, what were you doing in the Air Force, though? You weren't going through basic training, were you? Because you, no, you went go, through basic go, training before this, and then you went to Mississippi. Basic training, and then they go some, you go someplace, and they teach you how what you were going to do. Right. So, so I had to learn. You had to learn Morse code then. I learned Morse code. And uh, first I had to learn how to type. And I had just gotten out of typing. We did typing as, as a class. Uh-huh. So I, I just learned how to type as a senior, I think it was. And it was only about a year I was down there learning how to type again. Yes, Mo, come on. Hey, Snickers. Snickers. <laughs> no, no, no. She can't even get down those stairs. I'm not even worried. She can sit on the patio if she wants. She might be able to get down those two stairs with those that that three or four stairs. She won't be able to get she's, down. She's, uh, she's too old. She's too fat. She's but anyway, yeah. So actually, do some uh, do some Morse code, like just just so the because I think that's I think that's really like intriguing. I think that's cool. Oh, you mean, uh, first code? Well, uh, you had to learn a whole bunch of stuff other than just learning that. Um, it's not like anything you'll ever experience or you won't understand it, probably. No, I don't understand it at all, but like, it's, it's still it, fascinating it's, to me. Back in the 1880s, I guess, they, um, Morse code, a guy, a guy named Morse, last name was Morse, invented Morse code, and they used that to send, like if you, if you, if you had a letter, you're going to send it to your friend, you know, 100 miles away. Right. They go on the Pony Express first, you know, uh -huh. take the mail, you know, when they could, and try not to get killed by the Indians. And, um... Uh, and then the Morse code came along, so if you had a town here and a town here, you could do it, beep, 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 and it could go down there. So I had these little machines, it would, it would make a clicking noise, and they somehow, I don't know, electric, electricity wasn't around then, I'm not sure how they got it. <laughs> You're not that old. <laughs> um, I didn't know that, no, I'm just saying I did a history of Morse code. What I took was the electronic Morse code. Okay. 
So it would be dots and dashes. If you had to write it down, it would be three dots, it would be a C. And you had to memorize A through Z and zero through nine. So are you spelling words like, like whenever you're doing the beep, beep, boop, 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 like a individual letter and then another individual letter? Yeah, it's not English. Numbers, letters and numbers. It was a code. When he actually did that, it was a code. It would not right. make sense in the There's English. No, it, you didn't, wouldn't have a sentence. All you had would be an A, D, question mark, C, I, T. Okay, so because you know? that's, that's when you had to... You had the headphones on. You interpreted the code. You were pretty much typing out the code, whatever you're hearing. Yeah, I had the I had the earphones on, just like it, just like you have now. Uh huh. Earphones on, and I heard through both ears, and it, and it came. And this is when you're. But it was really, really fast. And. And he had to type it out. When I was there six okay. months, I was. They put me, the, on a, put me in the back of. And you're spying on the Russians at this point, right? Well, when I first got there, they put me in the rookie room. Rookie, know? okay. And I don't, I don't have a clue what I did there for six. But then after six months, I had another year to go in Italy. Uh huh. This is the number one most important. When I say that, they're just—it's just like I'm sitting here, a guy here, a guy here, a guy here, all the way down. To the other end of the building, you know. Uh huh. So everybody had a typewriter. Same as that, except it was a typewriter. So you'd have to listen to the. That's a V. Uh huh. And uh, when when somebody in Russia wanted to talk to somebody in another part of Russia, he would let them know that, hey, I'm, I'm about to send you a text. Right. Today's text. So they would say, beep, 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 and that was a V, and that meant, I'm getting ready, you know? And then, and then the other guy on the other end was in AMI, which is, beep, pop, pop, beep, beep, pop, pop, beep. That means I'm So here. you were like, you were pretty much interpreting the first ever form of instant communication. That's cool. That's really well, interesting. Really we had phones then. They had phones. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Certainly not cell phones. No, it's the, way that, it's the way the military, the different countries would send that. Most of his was from ships and stuff like that. Is that correct? Well, anyway, they got the, they would get these messages. So it's always just interesting to listen to her tell you what I was doing. When, when I don't even understand it. <laughs> well, he, he would copy this stuff down. It was not his job to interpret it. They had other people that interpreted it. Right, right. He copied it down. That's why it you said whenever code. Yeah, whenever things got tense, they would come in and rip off a big sheet of paper, yeah. run back to the other room. Yeah, and literally run. It, they were in the other room. It just, it'd be like, we're in, this, we're in this room here, and we're all doing this. Over there was some people getting voice. Right. They were listening to Chinese. They were listening to voice. These were, you know what? You know, I was getting, I was getting the electronics. They were actually listening to people talk. Oh, okay, I told okay. You about those guys, they spent seven, eight, nine months in Harvard. Learning another language. Yeah, that's all they've learned is Chinese. Oh wow. They sent all of those guys. Right, right. And the way, the way you get in, still insane. When you get in the Air Force, when you, you take all kinds of 
test. Right. Saying, okay, I flunked the one in, in uh, mechanics. <laughs> one thing I had fun about. Are you life. surprised? <laughs> here's a round hole. Here's a here's a round thing. Put it in there. I don't think so. Not me. <laughs> and uh, so they and I couldn't do I couldn't do electronics. I mean, I couldn't do uh, mechanics. Uh-huh. A lot of jobs in the Air Force and in mechanics, you fix cars and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Actually, I could be a mechanic today if I wouldn't have to go learn all those years. If I wouldn't have to go to college, I could have got out of the Air Force. And, but I was too stupid to do that. But I did something that only one half of one percent of the people in the entire Navy. Wait, say that again, because I mean, you, I've heard, I've heard you say that a lot. So like, I completely understand it, but say, just reiterate it so that's like in you the. You look it up for you on the internet. Is that no, no, no. I've seen it on the internet. Just, just reiterate what you just said into the microphone again. The top one half. The thing that I... You test in the top half of the 1%. So you pretty much... The group the group of people that I was in, and Johnny Cash was in the same thing. I, I think I told you that. Yeah. He, I really, he's like Elvis to me, you know. He's, he's a pioneer of music. And uh, he was 10 years old when I was, so in 19, 1953, maybe 20 years old when I was, he said he went the same thing. He went to... I went to Italy and, and, and t- spied on Russia, and I think he went to France or someplace else. And I think he spied on Russia, but I'm not sure about that part of it. But anyway, um, what was your question? <laughs> well, I just told you to, to reiterate that you, top, you, you tested in the top half of the 1%. Because I, I just want, like, that, that has so much significance. Because you basically were the top. Out of every 200 people, you were the number one person, statistically speaking. One in one. That's, half, that's one what that. One right. half percent. Right. Half of one. So I guess 200 people, you'd be. You'd be number one. Yeah. And you said you work with some of the smartest people ever that you've ever met in your entire life, right? See, I was 19, uh, turned 20 somewhere in there, but. And I met all these guys, same age I was, you know. All over the country, you know. I I didn't remember. I'm 19. I don't have, I don't know anything. You go from the farm. You don't know anything. I'm talking about less than zero. Well, you know no. different well, things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I had I was very smart, you know. I guess. Uh huh. I ended up with these guys. And, man, they, they were. The, the standard of smart was different too. I mean, as well. I, I hung out with them for a year and a half. You know, she well, came uh-huh. over after three months. I think it was and. We hung out with them. Do you keep up with any of them? No. Do you want me to get Snickers real quick? I thought she wanted to go out. You, I think she you, wants you back lose in. Them when they leave it, leave it. When they left Italy, I left it at one time, and they left it at another time. Some of them said they'll stay an extra three months. So, no. It, but the day you the day you leave the leave Italy is the last time you'll ever see any of those people. And I was we were like living together for year year and a half. Really. It's not for his particular. He had a special talent for that. So he was very, he he grasped onto that very quickly. I, I would guess. Okay. I would guess that nobody but, in our family could make it through that. Through the military training. No. What I did in Biloxi, Mississippi, and what I did for a year and a half, and like the the Morse code. 
It was so fast, and it was it was basically spying on. Yeah, true. Well, it was basically I I spying on communications between. Well, the thing I don't talk about much is I didn't just have Russia. I had two. I had Albania. Albania. Uh, Albania is uh, Albania is uh, a country about the size of this room. You know, <laughs> I mean, we're talking a little country. I don't. I doubt they even have an airplane. <laughs> I'm gonna go get the dog real quick. She's whining. I'm always curious. What what is Albania? Population of Albania. There you go, you crazy dog. Population of Albania is about two million eight hundred twenty. You're welcome. Okay, Albania today is two point eight million people in the whole country. Two point eight million. So realistically it's probably like I don't know, it's probably like upper million. I don't know. I don't know what it'd be but upper million what? Like it was like a like a million like say like one point eight or oh, whatever yeah yeah, yeah. And, but it was a small country and uh, for some reason they gave me that now this is what theirs where is Albania is it, I'm guessing South America no 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 no, no? It's, it's over there. like Middle East no yeah it's it the eastern it's part of the eastern block isn't it oh well it doesn't matter that much. I don't know if, uh, how far is it from Albania to Italy? Rome, Italy is about 457 miles from Tirana, Albania by car, or about 382 miles as the crow flies. So, so from Rome to Albania is 450 miles. So what does that tell you? Rome, Rome is in the northern part of Italy. So it, was, it, was, it wasn't far from, from Italy. You added but this at all. It's not a European country. <laughs> no. What is that? It doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Let's keep the conversation flowing. It's not a big deal. So, um, actually, Melina just texted me and said, do you have the dog? And I said, um, no, why? Your mother just called me and asked, and I said yes. Oh, really? Uh, you ruined said, it, Grandma. She said, is Jordan and Snickers there? And I, is Jordan there? And I said yes. She said, is Snickers there? And I said yes. And she said, well, I was worried about Snickers. Oh, wow. That's cold. <laughs> Ice cold. Ice in her veins. Yeah, as far as getting through this, the training, I don't know if I could personally. I mean, if you say I couldn't, then... Physically, I don't know. Physically, you could. But physically, I could. You're not ever. Unfortunately, you didn't grow up in an environment. It doesn't sound like anyway. Well, I mean, you, you watched you know, me grow up, you, so you would know. You, you talk to your friends; they might think, "Sure, I could do that." I mean, I go into the air force. I expect them to tell me what to do. Right. And you don't question them. Never. I can be obedient if I want, but I choose not to. I question everything. So that's how I like to live life. I, I don't know. I think you could have made it physically. Could have you would have been the star. You could have done. I don't know if you were in this kind of shape. Right. And uh, I'd be confident that I can make it through military. The training. only thing I I think if you saw it, everybody was around you, uh -huh. people you know about thirty or forty people, you you'd be in the same living quarters. Right. About thirty people. So you get up every day and you march to those people. Now, if there's 30 people there, if 29 of them are, are doing what they're supposed to be doing, 
In other words, what's your total? <laughs> I don't think you'd be a, make yourself a fool out of yourself to argue with a, argue with somebody trying to. No, no, I because I would understand beforehand what I'm getting myself you into. Don't know that. No, you wouldn't. No, I would have some idea. I would have some idea. I mean, movies built it How up. What would you have? You may not have because you grew up on a farm, but I would definitely have some. You guys quit putting down farm people. There's some <laughs> I'm not putting smartest it. people I know. I think by today's standards, you cannot be one of the smartest people. I mean, I guess it's kind of possible, but by today's standards, it's very difficult to be like it's very intelligent growing up on a farm. I think that's a huge is that, is that disadvantage. Why I'm into the top one half or one percent. I think it, it, that's a different time, though. Like in your time, it was possible, but like now. I just don't think it's very plausible. It's possible, but I would argue that the probability of that is just so, extremely small. So you small. think Michelle, you think uh, Scott's wife Michelle is, is... I'm not saying that. I'm saying like people, <laughs> I'm saying people that grew up now, so they're my age or let, let's say even younger. Let's say kids that are 10 years old now. They've had the internet their entire lives and they have it all the way up to wherever. It is possible, but... I think people living in a city with the, the internet is gonna, because you know, like a lot of like good websites and just good media sources, whatever, that I'm exposed to are because of people I know. Like good, I have good references in my life that, hey, check this out. And you know, like people on the farm, they're probably they're they're just typically more basic thinkers, and they're they're probably not gonna use the internet don't for. Don't get my brother, and don't don't challenge them to any anything. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's gonna leave you alive, right? And he's in the farm, so life is about. And I, yeah, I would, I would agree to some extent. Like, I'm just saying, I, I guess I'm kind of arguing for the stereotype. But there are, I mean, if you live on a farm and you follow your curiosity, I believe that you, your curiosity is gonna take you as far as you let it, as long as you, um, I mean, if you let it and. I, I don't think your your surroundings have that much to do with it, but the typical farm individual, I mean, they, there's, I don't know, there's not that intelligent. There's, there's some of the most self-sufficient people that there are. I would agree with that. And they have more common sense. They're very... Uh, they can fix things that none of us could fix, and they grow our food. They have a ton of integrity, a lot of them. Right. A lot of honesty, a lot a of... A lot of uh, sense of community and neighbors. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I would definitely well, I'm not saying, agree with I that. I would say they could fix everything. They, they can only fix things... If they were growing up, and see, I I didn't learn anything from my father. Uh huh. Her brother did. So when he got, when he was 20 years old, he could fix his own car, probably do anything, even today, if he's still alive. I don't even know if he's still alive or not. But he could. He he was a self-made mechanic because her dad, my dad too, he could fix, fix it. Yeah, if you you gotta fix it, okay? That's all I'm saying. You have to fix stuff if it breaks. Uh. Uh-huh. But he never taught me to do anything. Cause it's five kids, four four boys, and um, he worked all the time. He works ten hours a day, six about sixty hours a week on average, or longer than that sometimes. Her dad worked eighteen or nineteen hours a day. That's for insane. Six, seven weeks in a row. Yeah, they're really hard-working people, but my dad, if he wanted something, he didn't wait around for somebody else to do it for him. Like right. for instance. Uh, he he built things, you know. If we needed something, he did it. it you know, 
Doug the Storm Cellar. I always remember that. That's a funny, funny one because I love that. That was a torture chamber for my sister. Right, with the spiders. You <laughs> yeah, know. The spiders and snakes. Well, they, there were never actually spiders down there. You'd always just make that up, right? Um, I don't know if there were, they were or not. But like you would, you would I say. I wasn't afraid of them, right? So. And you would say. I would say, better watch out for the spiders. I think I saw a snake over there, and she would start screaming and pull her legs up, and you know. That's funny. <laughs> and that was that was Jane. Yeah. Okay. I know for sure. Seven forty-nine. I probably got another five, ten minutes, give or take. Let me check what time my game is. So, eight twenty. So, yeah, I'll get another five minutes. I I have an idea. Why don't you just keep this for yourself, and then when we're dead and I don't really care, you can publish it to whoever. I mean, think about like really, who's gonna watch this? You know. I hope nobody. Not very <laughs> many people. <laughs> at least not at this point in no, time. I can guarantee you, nobody. Yeah, close to no one. Yeah. One family member's mine, but I don't. I don't see it. Maybe. I mean, if it was them, they would, they would watch it. But it's it's a voice. It's not even a. Well, yeah, yeah, they would listen to it, but if you want to get it technical, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe a ton of people will listen. I I personally find it kind of unlikely. I'm just kind of having fun with making the podcast now. I enjoy doing it. I don't know if I. I plan to keep pursuing it. It's a cool hobby. and You think you'll look at it 10 years after we were dead? I would think so. But I don't think you'll ever look at it again. I disagree. That was not true 50, 60 years ago, 100 years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, but in t- today's world, just look back at all the pictures that Bailey is taking, selfies. Uh-huh. And when I say Bailey, I mean everybody her age. Uh-huh. Tell me one time they ever looked... Looked at those. Well, so give it, maybe a little bit. I get what you're saying, and I get what you're arguing, and I totally agree with you. But I value memories, and in that sense, I am nostalgic. I like to record my life. Ever since freshman year of high school, I've had a journal that I, re- I write down what I did that weekend, whatever. Any highlights of my life, I like to record, which is why I like Instagram so much. I like to record my my pictures constantly. But does you know? that stay on Instagram? Yeah, it stays on Instagram. Oh. I mean, I'm not uploading this well, thing. Here's, here's be... the problem with that. But if you have a million of something, you're not going to look at any of them. And say a hundred thousand pictures at the time you get first get one of these until you actually go to work for a living. You can't text all the time. It's crap. Uh huh. How many pictures are you going to have in here? And uh, say age ten to age twenty-two. Well, I usually lose one pictures whenever I get a new phone. But I mean, oh, like, okay, not you, somebody else. I'm assuming, I'm assuming that they keep. So you're arguing that whenever you get an overload of information or an overload of pictures, for example, if you have fifty thousand, they kind of lose their value. Why would you right? look at a picture if you had fifty thousand on on your computer? From so take ten, twelve years. Well, then you could also say that's the incentive to look at them because they're fifty thousand. <laughs> I think you look at them different if you have. Uh, if, you have, if you have 10 pictures I mean, and if you had 20, 20 pictures of when you were 10 uh-huh. yeah sure man you, you look at those things you know and show, your, show them to your kids but you think a, you get, you get a, say you got a 5 year six, 
So you got an eight-year-old son, okay? Uh-huh. A few years from now. A few years from now. Do you really think he's going to sit there and look at 5,000 pictures of daddy? Unlikely. <laughs> I, I think he'll pee in his pants and go someplace else and then uh-huh. sneak away from you so he's, you, got, you don't get a spanking. I think he's 14 years old and he's peeing in his pants. You're really not exaggerating, <laughs> too. Like, think about, think about the people... Because I, I always like to emphasize that my generation is the first generation to walk around with a camera everywhere we go in their pocket. Like, everybody. Not just one or two people. Everyone walks around with a camera everywhere we go. And we yeah. carry that thing around religiously. And obviously I'm talking about a cell phone. And, um... I, like, some of these people that had a phone, a, a camera in their pocket since they were 10 years old, taking pictures on it up to, until they were 40, and they found a way to save every single one of those pictures, you're probably not exaggerating. 50,000 is completely plausible. Well, Bailey, coming back from East Coast, um, I was sitting here, and Bailey's sitting here. I guess Melania's in the back seat. And um, I don't know if it was... An hour, two hours, three. We were in the car about twenty hours, you know, the whole way from Philadelphia to here. Uh huh. And she was sitting next to me, and I just one shit went from one hour to another, and he was yeah, she's always taking selfies. Selfies. This is selfies. But these aren't getting saved. These are just. It's like a, her form of communication. She chooses to. I don't understand. They're I don't. I don't have they, Snapchat. They don't I think it's retarded. Stay there. They don't go to your cloud. Uh, no, no, this is Snapchat she's using. She likes oh, to that, use Snapchat. I don't think Snapchat existed back then. No, it did. Snapchat's been around for a while. Whenever she went to Philadelphia, yeah, Snapchat was around. I can promise you that. And that's where all the pictures automatically go? They go away after, like, like you send them to one other person and then they... I think it's a slowed down form of communication. That's I, I think the way Bailey uses it, which I'm saying she, she takes a selfie and then she basically sends a text message, that's just a slowed down. That's... Think about how much time she's wasted in her life just snapping a picture. I'm not here. I'm not here to belittle Bailey or anything, but that's just well, that's an inefficient example. way to communicate. Just an example, here, Right, right. You know? And some people, most people don't use Snapchat that way, but some people do, and I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Let me, let me tell you this thing. You might need to you probably need to leave, but this happened probably a week ago. Uh huh. Either a town or a state had to go to Congress. Pass a law that you cannot text and walk across the street. Wow. Think about that. It must be it must be so prevalent. You know, and people get out in the middle of the oh, street. Oh, absolutely. And maybe they're standing there and they don't know the life's red and the cars are coming this way, you know, start honking their horns. It must have got must have gotten to some point now. <clears throat> Politicians don't know anything. They don't know anything. They don't fix a road until ten people get killed on on that road and then they'll fix the road. They right. won't ever fix it, knowing it's probably going to happen. Uh -huh. So I'm guessing that it, it got to be so bad, texting and walking across the street, that, that somebody somebody must have. That's crazy. That is crazy. I did not know that. Number one, it takes them forever to to make one law. Uh huh. And then, and this is certainly not a something that's important. So I bet you I bet you there was people like me calling them. You know, and saying, these idiots won't get off. They don't want... Yeah, that is walking, crazy. You know? That's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I, I'm honking at them, and they, and they don't even know where they are, you know? That is they a pass it all. Now they go, That's a problem, because you're on autopilot whenever you're on your phone walking across something. You can't be in the middle of the street being on autopilot. Now, here's the other thing. I mean, this is not part of it, but most laws are ignored. 
Uh-huh. So nobody's policemen aren't, aren't going to arrest them for walking across like that. Number one, there won't be a, won't be a policeman there when, they ha- when it happens. Uh-huh. It'll continue to happen. And, and, that, and I think some states have it, you can text and drive. Same thing. I think that's that you can't text and drive. I think it's yeah, texting and driving is like universally, to at least to my knowledge, it's pretty much all across the board um, illegal, and it should be. It's ridiculous. But have you have you ever heard of anybody getting stopped or? Well, it's a hard crime to catch somebody doing. It's kind of like an integrity thing. Like that's what it, the law repli- relies upon. But like you kind of contr- they're trying to control people with like the well, fear of getting pulled over, or, like people, some the, consequence. The people that would get it would be if I'm a cop and I pull over right next to you. Yeah, true. Like how are you gonna prove that? Realistically, like that is a hard. I've never thought about that. That's a hard well, one. I mean, to, if, I'm, if I'm here at a, at a stop sign, uh-huh. stoplight, and I look over there and you're texting, I can let you drive. I can get you. Let's you let you go off before me, and you know, I can get the license plate. But like, still, how are you gonna prove it, hundred percent? Well, it's just you're, if you're a policeman, you know. You, Maybe like a picture. That's the only thing I could think of. You could take a picture of it, but I mean, whatever they're told to do. I mean, policemen aren't gonna lie. Yeah. I mean, if they, if they eh. yeah, but racist and it's a black dude, or if it was a black cop and a white dude. Yeah, it's a hot might, topic right might now. Put all some of that crap in there, but. Right. Just I mean, sprinkle some cocaine on it. I was a cop and I went in and told some crack on and they didn't believe me, I, I, I wouldn't be a cop anymore. You know? Yeah. First of all, I'd kill them all. You know, everybody, everybody in the room, I'd kill them all and I'd say, I'm resigning. Oh, you're all dead. I, I actually you have to get... You can't me I'm not trying to be rude, but I have to get out of here. <laughs> Do you guys want to go to my game, either one of you? I'm not dressed. No, no not me. No? no? I'm disappointed in both of you. I am too. This is absolutely... Preposterous. Prosopterous. Prosopterous. Tyrannosaurus Rexus. Have time to take Snickers out first? I already took Snickers out whenever I first got here, which was like a little over an hour ago. Okay. Okay, so that concludes the podcast. Does any? Do you guys want to say anything to keep, conclude it? You don't want to say anything, Grandma? You get the mics on you. <laughs> ha ha ha! You're funny, Jordan. I know I'm hilarious. I. See, uh, that concludes another episode of My Subjective Perspective. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, Yeah, let's conclude this. Bye. Bye.